If you're anywhere in between six or 60, or you're under six, or you're over 60, today is for you, whatever stage of life you're at. We're going to be looking at a theme which is captured in two words, and it's the words, be real. Why does the Bible encourage us to be real? Not so that we can be proud, but for at least two good reasons I want you to think about as we kick off today. One, we have a God who loves us just as we are. Okay, that's one. Second, we have a God who is changing us because he loves us so much. He's not going to leave us as we are. And so it's okay with God and with each other to be real, to be more vulnerable than the rest of the world could be because we're all in the same boat. So what I want you to do, we're not going to do loads of interaction this morning, this morning, so don't worry too much about it, but I just want you to turn next to somebody and just say to them, be real, we're in the same boat. Go for it. You shouldn't still be chatting. That was just like one sentence. There's a, a verse in the New Testament where Paul captures this idea of us as the people of God being the most real people and how we should do it. Romans 12.3 says this. It says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray this morning as together all ages we think about what it really means to be real as people that are loved by God and people who are being changed by God. What it really means to be real with you and to be real with each other. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be here and that you would speak to us. We pray that every single person in this room this morning would hear the voice of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Back to the story. So you've got a room full of show-offs like these dads. Um, but then something happens. Another person who doesn't show off, a woman called Mary Magdalene, does something different to the men in the room. She decides with Jesus there that she's going to be real. So she comes into the room, she sees Jesus, she is so overwhelmed by his love and by him being the son of God, but there wanting to have conversation, real conversation. She's so overwhelmed at the thought of being close to God himself. She sits down at his feet, she starts to cry because she feels so loved, and she starts to wash the mud off of his feet with her tears. She kisses him, not in a weird way, in a really lovely way. She just can't stop kissing him because she just loves him so much. And then she does something remarkable. She takes a bottle of perfume, a bit like this one. This is Joe Coombs' perfume. This will give you an insight to Joe Coombs. Coco Chanel. There you go. Oh, Joe, you got a woo for that. Um, if you want to know how much it costs, um, just ask Matt. Um, she takes this bottle of perfume that we read in scripture is worth one year's salary. Just say to somebody next to you, one year's salary. That is a lot of money. And she breaks this bottle of perfume and she pours it over Jesus' feet just as a way to say, I love you, I'm grateful. All these things that are bubbling up inside of her. She makes this great choice that you and me can make too. She makes the choice that actually... She cares more about what God thinks of her than what anybody else in the room thinks of her. 
And that sounds simple, but that's a big old choice to really care more about what God thinks of who we are than the people around us. And Jesus says something into this room full of show-offs and Mary that is really significant. We're going to read it together. Luke 7, 44 to 47 is going to come up on the screen. And if you're able to read, um, I'd love you to read this with me, whatever age you are, if you can read. Let's all read it together. You ready? Three, two, one. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whatever has been forgiven little, loves little. Sorry, whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. It doesn't say um, what happens next in the story. But I want you to imagine for a moment, just close your eyes, and imagine they get to the end of the evening... And everybody's about to leave. Everybody's about to go home. Here's the thought that I want you to imagine. Just close your eyes for a second. Can you imagine this? The woman gets up to leave. And probably everything inside of her is thinking, I don't want to leave this Jesus. I found him. He's incredible. He's God. He still loves me. Even after all the things that I've done, he loves me. But she gets up to leave. And she starts to make her way home. Here's a thought. What happens with the first person that she meets as she's walking home? I wonder if she decides that she's going to be really honest and real about her life. What about when she gets home to family and friends, people that know her? What does she do? Here's a thought. Maybe she's a bit more real than she was yesterday. You can open your eyes. What about the other guys in the room who'd been the show-offs? I wonder if one of them turned to one of their mates on the way home and said, hey, can I tell you something about my life? It's not quite what I'd make it out to be. Can I be really honest with you? Interestingly, okay, historians, they tell us that this woman, Mary, went on to do the most incredible things in her life. She became known as the Apostle of Apostles. She's mentioned 12 times in um, scripture, that's more than most of the apostles are mentioned themselves. She's mentioned more than any other woman in the Gospels. Get this, she went on to witness the crucifixion and was there at the burial of Jesus. That would take incredible courage. And she was the first to witness the resurrection of Jesus. You know that Jesus would have decided who he would meet first, face to face in the resurrection. And it was her. Where did all of this start with this woman? It started the night she decided to be real. Whatever the consequences, whatever was going on around her. The story tells us that God loves it when we're willing to be real. And that should be enough. But it also tells us that our lives are more likely to be transformed, just like her life was. Whatever else you take away from today, there's going to be a handful of testimonies and we're going to culminate in taking communion together. Whatever else you take away, we believe God wants to invite every one of us 
to be real with him and with each other in some part of our life. So maybe you could start thinking, is there an area of your life where it would be really good to be real with the Lord today and maybe with a friend or with somebody else? Let's pray. Lord, from Luke 7, we see something important, that you don't want us to be fake in a world that is full of fakes, fake news, fake photographs on Insta, fake Facebook posts, and so on and so on and so on. And Lord, you know what? Sometimes we do it too. So this morning, I ask that you would give us the courage of Mary to be vulnerable with you and even with those around her and those around us. To get it, that you love, you love it when we're real because it gives you space in our lives and the opportunity for others who know us to be your hands and feet and your voice to help us to be real. So we just say, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, whatever age and stage we're at, whether we've known you for years or we don't know you yet, I pray that we would hear your voice and that we would trust you when you say be real, that it's good, it's a good thing to do, to be real with you and to be real with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Just to show really the importance of, and why it's so good to share with each other. So we've got a video, first of all, from one of our leadership team. And he's not hiding in a box out there somewhere. This is actually something he recorded this week. So this is Dave. Good morning, everybody. My name is Dave Kingswood, and I'm part of the leadership here at Welton, in case you don't know who I am. I was just really excited about this subject this morning. I can't be with you, but I wanted to share a bit of testimony about what it looks like for God to be just such a comfort in your life through troubling times. I, I found out I had some health-related stuff about 18 months ago. This stuff was kind of cooking away in my life and it was getting me down. And I went, went and spoke to my doctor and he was like, it's okay, Dave, we can figure this out. We'll get some medication sorted out for you. We'll, you know, we'll kind of get our hands around this stuff. And, you know, things were kind of okay for a little while. But I got to this Christmas just gone. I started to experience some, some real like anxiety and some weird heart stuff and ended up in hospital a couple of times and it was like scary and I didn't know where God was in it and I, I was wondering what was going to happen to me and yeah all kinds you know all those things that happen in your mind when you can kind of freak out a little bit and anyway I came back to the wonderful leadership team that I serve with and I was like, look, this, this stuff's been going on for me. You know, it's been really scary. It's, it's been this, it's been that, you know, the, all the stuff that can kind of really mess with your head. And they were just incredible. And they came around me and they were praying for me midweek and they were checking in with me and spending time with me and praying for me in our meetings and stuff like that. And I just thought, God, isn't it incredible what happens when God's people come around you and just bring that love and acceptance and comfort and oh, it's just so good when you realize that you're journeying with other people and I'm just incredibly grateful for that. But as part of that journey of me figuring this stuff out, I thought in the new year, hey, look, I need to continue to push into getting a bit fitter and, you know, kind of figuring all that stuff out that we know that we should look after ourselves better. And so I signed up for a Couch to 5K thing and it meets up in Westfield on a Thursday night. I originally wanted to do it on a Saturday morning, but I can't because of work, you know, with Welton Runners and stuff. But 
Um, so I thought I'll try and figure out another way of doing it. So I met with like I don't know twenty other people, all who wanted to kind of go from completely like not running at all through to maybe doing three or four miles. Um, and last night we were on about week seven, I think. We went out and we did our first like five k together. And some people ran the whole thing. Some people like me were somewhere in between, and then other people had to like walk most of it. You know, just because they're all on these different levels of fitness and stuff. But the reason I share about all this with you is the thing that happened right at the end. You know, the people who finished early, they were there stood as the rest of us were kind of coming in. And they were whooping and cheering us and championing us to finish to, and to finish well and to push into the last part of the race and kind of really celebrated as we finished this like distance together. And then there were other people who were right towards the back and actually the the people who ran or, or who run the group they actually went back to run with them in that last little bit to kind of keep you know to say keep going keep going you're doing so well don't worry about the fact that you've taken longer than everyone else or you know whatever it might be and then as they all came in we were all whooping and cheering and saying oh well done you managed it and we all got round and i just think what a beautiful image of what it is when we come around one another and, you know, we all go at different speeds and we all need comfort in different things and we all need to be able to be loved in our own way at our own speeds and stuff like that. And God, I think, just not only does, he brings that comfort for us individually, but I think also he uses his church to do that. And so I just want to encourage you with that this morning and how wonderful it is when we are comforted and journeyed with and um, bought love in such a dynamic set of ways from dynamic people in, in inside God's church. So be encouraged and I pray you just enjoy the rest of the, uh, the morning. Amen. Being real is an act of worship because it says we are loved and we're in the process of change and so we can do this with one another. It's also an act of defiance against the enemy who is winning so much in the world where people fake it. Being real with God and each other says we are loved right now and we are being transformed. So we want to encourage you, um, we're going to go for it in worship just for 10 minutes or so, um, really in this place of being, this joyful place of being known and loved. Um, and we want to encourage you to really go for it in worship this morning um, and also to be brave over coffee and pastry, to get real with somebody else. And that might mean just telling them what you prayed or telling them part of what you prayed. It might mean sending a text to somebody to say, hey, we need to have a conversation. It may be getting home and just writing a prayer to the Lord saying, um, this is me getting real. But I just want to encourage you, you know, it's so easy, isn't it, to come to church and to think about concepts that we see in the Bible and to not do anything. Before we do that, we want to really worship and celebrate the God who invites us um, to be real with him. Is that okay? So let's stand together. We just say now, Lord, thank you as we've, as we've gathered around communion and we've reflected not only on that woman, Mary Magdalene, back in Luke 7, who got real with you, but a group of people who were loved by you, who sat with you, who ate with you, and testimonies of one another who are being real. Father, we thank you that we're not outside of that. You invite us inside of that. And it begins with us being real with you. 
and loving you and worshipping you. So we just say now, Lord, in these, in these few moments as we come together, this once a week time to celebrate who you are, we pray would you lift our eyes to you, that we would joyfully celebrate the God who invites us to be authentic. In Jesus' name, amen.